Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode 119. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com editor Ben Morse, and if the audio is a little off, it's not your computer. It might be your computer, but it's probably not your computer. Uh, we are doing another of our much-beloved Skype episodes. Uh, more snow has hit the Northeast. New York City is covered once again. So Ryan is in the Marvel offices. I was not able to get in today. Uh, my train was not running particularly well or at all for most of the day. So I am at home in New Jersey, and we are doing this over the over the computer. Yes, and uh, I am currently also trying to get Stromy onto the podcast. Uh, he's having some trouble getting people to turn his Skype on, so we'll see if that works. See, I would have left that as like a surprise treat. No, because I, I like to, to throw that little bit of disappointment if he doesn't come no. on. See, yeah, we were going the opposite direction. I was like, if he doesn't show up, nobody knows. If he does show up, oh, what a nice surprise. Yeah, we're, we're just two different people. I know. I forget how your brain works sometimes. Yes. So if you're just joining us on This Week in Marvel, we're going to go through all the new issues out this week, print, digital, single issues, and collections. And then we're going to talk about new stuff for movies, TV, video games, and then get to your questions and comments. Uh, Actually, no, not this week. It's a, oh, it's a Twim URC week. Twim yes, URC week, yes. Yeah. So we're going to get to your comments about Loki, the 2004 limited series by Rob Rohde and Isad Rabik. Uh, we didn't have a ton of comments, but they were um, they were good, and we'll have a lot to say because it's a freaking yeah, awesome story. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. All right. No visual cues here. We're not looking at each other. So let's dive right into what came out this week. This is a cool week. Um, it is kind of, you know, all new Marvel now has been rolling out a little bit each week, but this is a week where we had a lot of new number ones, a lot of point now issues and a lot of stuff that really shows off the range of this initiative and of what we're doing at Marvel right now. So I think this is going to be a really fun week to talk about um, new books that came out and look forward to getting you guys comments next week and hearing what you thought of them. And we start with all new invaders. Number two written by James Robinson art by Steve Pugh. Colors by Guru EFX. Mention the colors there because, as we said, Steve Pugh, great artist, but definitely the colors here are raising his game even higher. Uh, in this issue, we turn the focus from, it was Human Torch last issue, and this time we're looking at Bucky, the Winter Soldier, who has also been attacked by the Kree, and ends up eluding them to some degree, ends up being pretty effective. I like this issue it shows you how effective Winter Soldier can be. He's definitely one of our more gets things done type of characters. He hooks up with Captain America and we pick up where we left off last issue where Cap and Bucky attempt to save Human Torch from Tenoth, the new Kree character. We get more on that gold, lost Golden Age adventure. We find out um, secrets between the invaders that maybe one of them was not in on. And I kind of like the uh, response to that. And then ultimately set this team up for what's going to be their big mission in this first arc, which is going to take them way outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, I liked Cap being like, uh, Bucky, you're supposed to be dead. Why are you calling me? That was a fun little moment. Yeah, because, I mean, Winter Soldier hasn't been prominent in the books that much lately, so you, you know, it's a nice little reminder that his status quo is that the world thinks he's dead, and Cap knows he's not. So, yeah, that was, that was a neat little nod. Yeah, uh, over to Avengers AI number 9 by Sam Humphreys with art by Andre Lima Arujo. Uh, yeah, I did it. Uh, we've got the Avengers crew of Rogue, Vision, Hank Pym, 
uh, not uh, yeah, Rogue Vision, Hank Pym, and Captain America inside the um, the diamond, which is the virtual reality. I don't know. It's the the digital reality that all the AI live in. Uh, we've also got Doombot in there, and uh, they are fighting the forces of Demetrius. And then you get brought in to see there's this rebellious faction who is trying to do the same thing, but they are. Um, as any good rebel group is, they're tiny and they're scrappers and they are resourceful and they give a lot of sass to Cap and crew. Uh, there's a really cool aspect in here where the Avengers, the human Avengers, sort of figure out, they learn that in the diamond, in this virtual reality, they can do things that they just couldn't do in real life. So at one point, Cap then has six arms and six shields, and Rogue is super giant-sized. And then I don't want to spoil this one moment, but there's a great moment where they they go they they get really big and really fun, and it's uh, it's a neat little twist. And I like the the idea that pretty much anything can happen in there. So it's pretty cool. And we also get um, the uh, the return of Jacosta, which is neat. Right. Did you say every good rebel group needs to be small? Well, I guess er, you always know, you know, the rebels start out small. They're scrappers. Mm -hmm. They, Mm -hmm. you know. So aren't there like 8 billion rebels in your Star Trek movies? (sighs) Oh, Ben. What? There's like a whole ship of them. They got the, and they have like Squidhead guy. Yeah, Squidhead guy. He's, uh, I I hate you. It's a trap guy. Yep. Um, anyway, next I've book been on is Star Tours. <laughs> next book is Black Widow number three. Uh, I can't believe we're already up to issue number three. I know, we're, right? They're cranking them out. It's so awesome. Uh, it's written by Nathan Edmondson, art by the amazing Phil Noto. Uh, so it's you know we find Natasha in Argentina handling one of her you know her missions to um, take care of some unfinished business, so to speak. Uh, and it's cool because there's a little twist, and you sort of. You get the hint uh, of what she figures out, you know, sort of midway through the book, and it's it's great to see her turn on that reflection, figure out what's going on, and take action. She's just she's so badass. It's terrific. Um, yeah, and a more cat action. Uh, there's some great retribution that she delivers for one of her friends in the building she lives in. Um, it just it does establish this level of sadness for Natasha. Unfortunately, um, she's you know she's her life isn't all glory. Um, it's interesting to see. Yeah, this. I mean, I know there's only been three issues, so this is a little bit of a cheat. But this is definitely my favorite issue so far, Black Widow. Uh, both because I thought the mission was really interesting, but her home life was equally interesting. I think that's what we were kind of waiting for, and that's what. Nate and Phil did a good job setting up the first couple issues was you want her to have this not supporting cast, but just sort of a, a world beyond just being a badass. Um, I, I like literally you want her to let the cat in the door. That's what we've been saying for the whole time. And in this issue, she starts to tentatively. And when I say she lets the cat in the door, I don't literally mean she does that. Maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. But more that she lets the outside world creep in. You can tell she's done this before. You can tell that, it has hurt her, but yeah, this was it's my favorite issue so far because I think it really started uh, fleshing out Natasha a little more. Captain America, number 16 point now. Uh, Rick Remender and guest artist Pascal Elixie take a little bit of a break from the ongoing Iron Nail Madness and focus on Jet Black, our refugee 
visitor from Dimension Z, the daughter of Arnim Zola. She trolls around New York City and kind of stops a crime. Um, we get to see her attitudes on humans and her basic, just, just her upbringing. This is, this is the first issue we've had narrated by her. Every exposure we've had to her at this point um, has really been, you know, what Steve Rogers sees or what Falcon sees. So this time we really get into her head and find out how her upbringing has affected her. There's a special guest villain in this issue who makes overtures to Jet Black, which lays into question what what her allegiances will be in the future. Um, so you can definitely feel that this is the prologue for something much bigger for the character in the book. Yeah, on to Iron Man number 21 by Kieran Gillen and art by Joe Bennett. Uh, you guys should have read the all-new Marvel Now Point One story. Uh, that will It's a good little story for Iron Man, but it also brings in some stuff that will play out throughout this arc. Uh, and we've got the various Mandarin ring holders now starting to come together. I wouldn't say work together, because they all have different agendas, different viewpoints, and um, different backgrounds. But there's there's a cool mix of personalities with the rings, and then the rings themselves. Seeing all that start to, to gel and come together is, is pretty awesome. And then watching Tony get caught up in the whole thing is, is funny, because uh, he's not really prepared for what's in store. It's going to be an interesting ride for him. Over to Loki, Agent of Asgard, number one, a much-anticipated new release from all-new Marvel Now. It's written by Al Ewing, art by Lee Garbet, who has done some stuff for us in the past but really stepped it up this issue. Uh, this is a great start to this series, really gives you a sense of what this book's going to be like. We've spent a lot of time talking about it with Al and covering it in the weeks leading up. And like I said, this is hotly anticipated because, uh, as we know, everyone loves Loki right now and in general and in this issue we get what we wanted we get loki as kind of all things we get him as the trickster we get him as sort of a hero we get him as an enemy of the avengers and many other things he's on a mission he is now working for the all mother it jumps around a little bit so we don't originally know his purpose which is nice because the way the story unfolds as is appropriate with a loki story you think one thing and realize it really means another. Um, everything is up in the air. And Ewing spends a lot of space giving Loki uh, a monologue, giving him an inner monologue, giving him narration, because this is a character who has so much going on in his head at all times. Um, and it's really an impressively seamless transition from Kieran Gillen, who's basically been writing this character for, what, like two or three years now, nonstop pretty exclusively and over to Al Ewing who doesn't miss a beat makes the character his own because this is a new Loki coming out of young Avengers, but it's still the Loki we have come to love. Uh, his mission involves breaking into Avengers tower and getting into a tussle with Thor. So that's all familiar territory, but the reasoning and the way he accomplishes his mission is all completely different. Besides Loki, I love the way Al writes the, Typical Avengers. He writes the Mighty Avengers normally, but he writes the uh, it's the movie lineup in this issue. Um, his Hawkeye is fantastic, and just the way Loki interacts with each of the characters and the way they treat him, because you know this is the guy who the Avengers were formed to fight, which gets touched on in this issue. This was their original villain, and he could not be more different now. But 
there's a lot of throwback to the man he was, which we're going to talk a lot more about in our reading club. But just a really strong start for this book. Really witty. Uh, kind of a good done-in-one. You can read this issue, and it really gives you all you need to know. You know all you need to know about Loki. And it's a cool, closed adventure where he has a mission, and he brings it to where it needs to bring. It's got some great guest stars. It's got some great art. Just uh, top to bottom, really impressive book. Yeah, I mean, it was we definitely anticipated this release, but friggin' knocked it out of the park. Oh my god, so good. Uh, the Loki fangirls and fanboys are gonna lose their minds over this. It's um, it's a great mix of giving you that Loki from the movies mixed with the Loki from the comics that we've known over the last couple of years without neglecting all the amazing history. So kudos to the team. They really killed it. Yeah. And even though it is very much a, uh, could be a done in one, there's a big twist ending, which will ensure that this book keeps you guessing. And the end of a very interesting limited series, one we've spent a lot of time talking about kind of puzzling out is Marvel Knight Spider-Man number five written by Matt Kent. Art by Marco Rudy with Val Staples. And this this has been an experience. This is something I remember when, when Blake was filling in a while back. He loved this book. And we talked about how when it's a collection, it's going to be really something cool to just kind of flip open because of Marco Rudy's artwork. Uh, this is the issue where the plot intrudes somewhat, I almost say. Because up until this point, it's really just been, you know, a bunch of Marco Rudy splash pages and different inventive ways of drawing and Matt Kent just providing him with a framework. Uh, I mean, he, uh, the, the stuff Marco Rudy does here, like even on the third page, I'm looking, he, does, he goes like, he like transitions his art from Bill Sienkiewicz into David Mack, back to Marco Rudy. Like he just does a lot of interesting stuff. It's Spidey coming out the other end of this incredible gauntlet he's been through where he's had to fight 99 different villains and he is getting to the bottom of what's been done to him what happened and the end of the story is him struggling to the end and you really feel exhausted along with him and finally finding out who's behind it all that's very interesting i'm not really sure what to make of the ending but i think that's the point and the way the book ends definitely ensures that this is a very uh very standalone and very unique adventure in the history of spider-man awesome um i think we're gonna get some strami action soon he just im'd me and said we're in business uh so that's great you could come at any time yeah that's uh, that's the i like that i like the unpredictable nature of this podcast that strami could just drop in at any second yeah it, it's like a run-in um in wrestling, like, oh, my God, yeah. this, this guy just came back from injury and, and, and he hit somebody with a two-by-four. It would be like if adorable Adrian Adonis was still alive Aww. and did a run-in. I love adorable Adrian Adonis. I did, too, and Stromy reminds me a lot of him. <laughs> like, particularly his fashion sense and stuff. It's so true. Right? Yeah. You can see that. Um, That's a compliment to Stromy. It sure is. All right, jumping into the next book, we've got... Uh, Mighty Avengers number six by Al Ewing and one of my favorites, Valerio Schiti. And you've got two main threads going on in this issue. It's the <laughs> moving in of Luke and Jessica Jones to their new apartment. And uh, on the other side, you've got this this sort of this crook, this low level guy being chased. And they're very different stories, but they work so well together. Uh, we 
we have great interactions with Blue Marvel, Adam, uh, you know, talking with Jessica, talking with um, Iron Fist, but really it's him talking with uh, Luke Cage. That's like, that's the meat right there. That's something you guys are going to love. Uh, one of my favorite interactions in the book. Oh, and I did forget there's another um, scene on Liberty Island where you've got Monica, Rambeau, and Power Man, uh, and She-Hulk sort of talking about some stuff and making some some fun little points about who they are, what they are, their powers, all those all little things, but I think weaving that into the tapestry of what Al's putting together for Mighty Avengers, superb. Yeah, um, I love the the side story you were talking about with the low-level crook just because number 1 it's all like text, like it's like, you know, it's picture then text. It's not word balloons till the very end. Yeah. And very early on it became very evident what was going on. But that still didn't make the payoff any less satisfying. You know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. Like you, 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 you know what characters are in this book, and you know exactly where this is leading. But Al just dragged it out so beautifully through the whole book that when it finally comes, you're like, "Yep, that's what I was waiting for." Yeah, so great. Uh, you know, I could gush about this issue every week. It's so so good. Uh, you guys have to be reading Mighty Avengers. All right, next up, another. Hugely anticipated issue, uh, Ms. Marvel, number one, by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. Uh, if you guys caught the all-new the, the This Week in Marvel Now, is that the name of the podcast? <laughs> you just said so many words, I have no idea. What did you say? I know. Is this it, Week in Marvel Now? Is that your podcast, or is it all-new This Week in Marvel Now? It's This Week in Marvel Now, and we're both, we're both on the podcast. Yeah, I know, but did you drive you're, the ship you're, on that you're, one. You're in, you're in brief, but you're still there. Your name's, <laughs> your name's still on the Indicia. Indeed. Uh, so we had Juilla Wilson on that, and it was yeah. a great, fun episode. Uh, and finally, finally, we get – uh-oh, uh-oh. Here's Mark. Mark. Oh, yeah, can you hear me? <laughs> yes. It definitely like got nin- through me for a sec. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a ninja – Sneaking in through the night into your bedroom. Oh, wow. God. Just exactly what I anticipated. I was like, because I'm looking on my iPad. So, like, just a bunch of, it's not my iPad, it's my wife's iPad. So, I don't normally use it. So, just like a bunch of buttons and like flashing lights started coming on. I don't know. I felt <laughs> like, like a grandfather trying to use the VCR or something. I was like, what's going on? What did I do? I didn't push anything. <laughs> And Mark's here. Yay. Uh, so, Mark, just so you know, we are currently in the middle of the comic section. I'm about to talk about Ms. Marvel number one. So sit Good back, time. relax, and enjoy the ride. So Ms. Marvel number one, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to talk about the various parts of this book because I loved everything about it. Adrian Alfona does an amazing job not only designing uh, Kamala Khan's world and her costume but like a general sense of style for the book you know it's it's bigger than just what she experiences you get a sense that he he's doing some really cool stuff in the marvel universe right now uh it's it's all set within the confines of hey there was this big um event that happened in the marvel universe and like like a lot of our great marvel heroes there's an accident that triggers something in them that changes them and what what they do um after that is is really where we're going to go from here this sets up kamala her family life the problems she has um you know 
she's very much a real person, a real character with um, with problems and issues, and it's yeah. I'm fumbling a lot with this one for some reason because I just I really enjoyed it so much. Um, it, was, it, it jumped out like, you know, I, I, I get what you're trying to say. And it's always hardest to describe the books that we like the most um, because you just like them. But this was like kind of what you were just saying about Kamala being a real person. This felt similar to, number one, uh, the introduction of Spider-Man. Because I feel like it was just that big. And, you know, it just came out. So we don't have historical perspective yet, obviously. But that kind of shift in the sense of... Once in a while, you get that character who is very real and whose world is real. And the superpowers and what's going on really feels like, oh, yeah, that's just kind of incidental. Or, and this might also be the Alfona art, it reminded me of Runaways. Because that was another case where, and we just read it last week in the reading club, you know, you start the book with these kids just having this very normal experience, playing video games, having dinner with their family, stuff like that. And that's what it felt like you were really like, you know, you were watching a TV show or you're watching a movie where it's just about these people's lives, in particular, this girl's life. And it's interesting uh, and it's well done. And it's like, oh, these are compelling characters. But when the switch flips and it becomes a Marvel story, it becomes a superhero story. There's that much more impact because it's not just, okay, we're watching kind of, you know, like background player see get superpowers it really was oh my god this feels like it just happened as we always say outside your window is that is that is that some of it yeah that's that's, yeah that's definitely it's it's very much you know i think part of the the amazing thing that they've pulled off here is any one of us could be her you know she's she's so real like we could be the that person who's dealt with their family and had all these issues and you know goes to this party and deals with the the ramifications of this big event um but on top of that you've you've got something that you know who she is and her culture and her background lends this other layer to it um that will i i really do hope it brings in a whole new audience and people are excited for it and then they see how great a Marvel character is and the birth of a Marvel superhero. So um, really cool, really cool. Yeah, and I think, again, like what we're talking about, like the fact that they don't, the way they bring in the superhero aspect, like you see the Avengers um, on TV and then later they play a role in something that's going on, but it's very gradual. It's not a lot of series open with the big action page and then we work backwards. Like, this starts very ground level and completely new. It's not like, you know, I think it also helps. It's, a, it's in a, a different location. It's not in New York. It's in Jersey City. So it's just far enough outside. Um, and I think the way they gradually introduce the superheroic aspects is, yeah, again, it's really cool. The art's really great. Did you, read the, did you get to read this yet, Strami? I I actually have not gotten to read it yet, but I have been able to flip through it, and I was just going to jump in and say that I want to own that page of uh, Captain Marvel, Captain America, and Iron Man coming down with the animals and everything so badly. Yeah, it's 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 a gorgeous page. Uh, Ryan, for you, uh, did it distract you at all? 
that, and has it been for several months, that she has the same name as um, wrestling legend Kamala, the Ugandan giant? <laughs> no, I, I have. Uh, I celebrate that. Yeah, I think, you know what? That's a it wonderful coincidence. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Good. This is, this, this, is, this is a really special issue. We were talking about Loki earlier in the week and what a great first issue that is, and it was. This is definitely one that I think will be remembered for a while. I think, you know, our, our, all our books are going to be remembered for a while, but definitely reading this, like, you're like, okay, this is the start of something special. And I guess the silence means I'm moving on to my next issue, which is New Avengers number 14, <laughs> written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Simone Bianchi. This continues this kind of... Uh, traipsing across the different universes for a second i actually thought i was reading the uh the previous issue again because they keep starting with the same reed richard sequence but that's the point uh we're seeing different universes deal with incursions and deal with the map makers and deal with all these crazy creations jonathan hickman's come up with in this case it's a universe where their version of the illuminati is reed richards on a frost iron man captain britain Two Captain Britons, uh, Elizabeth Braddock and Brian Braddock, Hank Pym's Yellow Jacket, and Doctor Doom and the Black Panther, and they go off and fight uh, the map makers. And also, there's a big mutant problem on this world. Not so much a problem as there is just the mutants have segregated themselves. It actually lends itself to Hickman's Ultimates and Ultimate X Men stuff because they have uh, we get I think the first introduction of Tian which is an ultimate universe location. But while that's going on, Doctor Strange back in our universe is bargaining for more power and decides to go and visit some demons and try to make some sort of uh, crazy side deal with them. And I, I like this Strange. I like the Strange who's kind of desperate to prove himself and who's willing to go to stupid lengths to do it. And Simone Bianchi draws some wacky demons. So that works out well nicely, too. Yeah, I really liked uh, the craziness that strange is getting into and like i just read it i'm like oh man that ain't gonna end well yeah but that's what he should be doing you know dr strange should be the kind of like i think for too long especially in the 90s when we were reading when during the days of like infinity gauntlet and all that stuff he was always like the calm rational voice of reason who was at the center of everything and it's like oh well oh, we're in trouble we better go to dr strange's house he'll know what to do i prefer the dr strange as, as he was like in the oath when we read it a couple of weeks ago, where he's, you know, always at his wits ends and always doing kind of cocky, reckless things, which he does here. That's, that's the Dr. Strange I enjoy more. Yeah. And I hope he sleeps around a lot. Yeah, no, of course. And I, I was just going to add that one of the things that I love about what Hickman is doing in both Avengers and new Avengers actually right now with the incursions is that these alternate earths he's showing us um, in the last issue of new Avengers in the most recent issue of Avengers where the sort of old school looking Avengers pop up. And in this one, this issue is that these alternate universes they showing us aren't, 
dramatically different from the Marvel Universe we know. I mean, they're different enough, but still, you see a lot of the characters in the same costumes. Like, Iron Man is in his current costume in this issue of New Avengers. You see Mr. Fantastic in his Future Foundation costume. So that it it sort of lends an extra level of weight to it as a reader, because if you walk in and see these parallel Earths and they're so different looking from the universe you know you i don't know for me at least there's always somewhat more of like a disconnect than when like the world inevitably ends by crashing into another parallel earth um but by giving us sort of these recognizable characters it allows the reader to sort of have a a greater affinity for those characters even in that short amount of time so that you feel the weight of these characters either losing their world or dying with their world a little bit more i think no that's a great point strong i think you're right these worlds are not like crazy what if worlds their world's just off to the side and one subtle difference and not only that uh what you were saying is a great point about how the characters are there's some consistency just visually and stuff like that but also in the sense that no matter who else is in the Illuminati, you're always going to have a, for, a few of those like core Illuminati members. Like you'll always have some combination of Iron Man, Mr. Fantastic, Black Panther. Um, like they tend to be there. So yeah, definitely agree with what you're saying. On the other end of the spectrum, Superior Carnage Annual Number One. Can I do the Punisher? Oh, is the Punisher in between there? Yeah, you know, alphabetically, I get to do the Punisher. Oh, darn it. I'm working off a different sheet. Uh, soon we'll get to Superior Carnage Annual Number One, but before that, <laughs> we've got the Punisher Number One, the third of our big four uh, new Number One ongoing issues from All New Marvel. Now, Punishers by Nathan Edmondson and Mitch Gerard, and uh, you got Punisher in Los Angeles. That's, that's how you guys pronounce it, right, Stromy? Los Angeles. Yeah, that's that. It's it's actually Las. Angalese. Right, right. Okay. Uh, you've got Punisher out there, and I really like what they're doing because it takes Punisher, builds up very quickly but very efficiently and very well, uh, a little social circle for him, you know, places that he goes frequently, uh, people that he knows, people he deals with, um, but doesn't stray from the fact that Punisher is a nightmare walking. He will kill everything that he needs to. Uh, there's tons of violence in here, but it's um, it, it's it's a really fun Punisher book. Like, it, I wouldn't say it's light, but it does... Um, it does have a slightly different tone than you may have seen in other Punisher recently. He's he's almost got this uh, devilish grin that you can you can almost see popping through on some of the images, uh, and it's great. I just I like this Punisher. Also, the long hair, uh, like the shaggy long hair, it's, it's a good look for Frank. Yeah, there's definitely something added to as we know uh, Nate and Mitch work on the activity, and they've had a lot of experience working with real life military guys. They've talked about it in all the interviews we've done with them for the Punisher. And it's cool how that comes into play here. You know, they they use actual tactics and use actual lingo and equipment and stuff like that. So it adds a different dimension that we don't always see in the Punisher. He's not just this crazy killing machine. There's a uh, there's a method to his madness, which is cool. And now, the one you've been waiting for, Superior Carnage Annual Number 1. Written by Cullen Bunn, art by 
Kim Jacinto, as well as Mike Henderson. This was, I didn't know this was coming out. I didn't even know this existed. So this was kind of an interesting pull. And it's also got this crazy cover by Rafa Garis, which looks like it should be, it was like the cover of Maximum Carnage, the video game. Uh, so this just jumped out at me. It comes out of the events of the Superior Carnage limited series and also leads into Cullen's next limited series, Deadpool versus Carnage. And it is a, I hesitate to say fun, but let's say neat little transitional story where Cleus Cassidy has been separated from the Carnage symbiote. Cleus Cassidy is in jail and you think he might be, he'd be done as we often do. He's under the care of a therapist who has his own agenda. But meanwhile, across the country, the symbiote wakes up. They think it's dead, but it wakes up and it starts jumping from host to host and doing all these terrible, nasty things to get itself to where Cletus is. Uh, it looks like it's headed towards one conclusion. There's a little swerve at the end. The art is scratchy and weird and just nightmarish. And uh, this was a interesting little surprise to get. And the grasp that Cullen has on Cletus Cassidy, uh, kind of walking the line of that intense Venom character, but also that just off-the-wall, almost Deadpool-esque character, gives me great faith in what we've got coming up with uh, Deadpool versus Carnage. Yeah. Second of our superior books for this week, we've got Superior Foes of Spider-Man number eight by Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. Uh, always a favorite of ours, and it doesn't disappoint this week. Uh, lots of little things going on. You've got the um, the quote-unquote Sinister Six. Uh, I don't know. The repercussions of finding out that the new Beetle is uh, the daughter of Tombstone. Hilarious. You've got uh, Boomerang having lots of dream sequences that are also very funny. Uh, He goes on a date, which hijinks ensue, as you imagine they would. Uh, We've got the head of Silvermane doing really crazy stuff with uh, Stromy's favorite character, the Shocker. And... There's a there's a part where the head of Silvermane is is eating pizza, and I really like that. But I get very confused as to like where does the pizza go because he's right. That's he's the only exact same thing I thought. And then what's going to happen to that pizza? Right. Like I was thinking, well, maybe he's got like technology that oh, turns the food into so. energy. It's um, no, it's it's like it's like that. Um, that skeleton on the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Disneyland version, that's drinking the wine, you know? And it's like drinking the wine down, but then the wine just, like, comes out the bottom. No, but, like, that's the thing. He's, like, sealed up. He's got, like, a adamantium, vibranium alloy neck. But, there, but there's, there's no like, way to come out. I, I just imagine that there's, like, a little hatch that he can, like, activate with, like, his back molar or something. Because he can still taste the pizza. That makes right? He's still got his taste buds. So, yeah. you know, and maybe, like, there's just some hatch and, like, underneath the table is, like, just a bunch of chewed up food that, like, Herman has to clean up after he's done. <laughs> Herman? <laughs> Herman, yeah. Yeah, me and, me and the shocker <laughs> on a first-name basis. <laughs> Um, and I like the fact that we're we're really getting down to the nitty gritty of how uh, of whether or not a head would what it would do with food. We've we've been okay with the fact that there's a severed head that is talking yeah. and doing all this stuff, but it's like, how does the food work? Yeah. Um, that is definitely comic book that, talk. That's the extra added value of having Strami on the show. Yeah, that that stuff gets digested. 
Also a reminder that the Shocker's real name is Herman. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were all aware of it, just no one cared. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted to point out about this issue, on the cover, you've got the the cast in, uh, like, a police lineup. Mm-hmm. The thing I really noticed is they're all very short. I mean, yeah. Overdrive is 5'3", Beetle is 5'6 and a half, uh, Shocker's five, just under 5'6", uh, Boomerang is, is the tallest one there, and he's 5'9". Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. You always think of these superheroes and super characters as so big, so larger than life. I like that. I think, I think Beetle's hovering. You're hovering. Well, number one, that wasn't aggressive, so there was no need for you to respond that way. Number two, but seriously, I don't think she's like, just from what we see in the book, I don't think she's taller than Shocker. Mm. Unless it's the armor. The oh. armor just has like, I'm, I don't know, this has been a great yeah, discussion. She's, not, she's definitely not hovering in that in that cover. Maybe she's you got... No, you can't see her, you can't see the bottom of her feet. How do you but know? If she, no, if she were hovering, her wings would have to be moving. She, can't she might hover. also have rocket boots. I don't. The wings think. might just be for steering. And she's not steering right now. Maybe she's got super tall heels. That's the other suggestion I just threw out there. Oh. All right, moving along (laughs) quickly. Wolverine number one, the final big launch of this week. Written by Paul Cornell, art by Ryan Stegman. Picking up from where Paul Cornell's last volume of Wolverine left off. Wolverine has lost his healing factor. He has proclaimed the Wolverine dead. And when we pick up with him, he is now working with a crew of criminals hijackers i don't know he's got new armor he's working with a new uh, group of uh superpowered cronies he's uh having some some interesting times with them he is working for a guy named the offer who this is an interesting concept basically his superpower is that he can find the offer no one can refuse and he explains it. it's not mind control it's not anything else he just knows what people want and what they won't be able to say no to and apparently he's able to do that with wolverine we flash back a few times to see the gap between the last series and this series. We see Beast kind of diagnosing Wolverine. We see Storm trying to talk to him. We see some of his friends down at the bar trying to make some sense of him. Uh, we don't have a full measure of how he went from where he was when Sabretooth beat him down in his last issue to here, where he seems to have kind of a new lease on life. But hopefully in the next few Issues we're going to get all those answers. Stegman doing some great work here. He is inked on this issue by Mark Morales, uh, colors by David Curiel. It's a good team. They look good. Um, and it's, you know, very kinetic Wolverine action. You know, Ryan's a great cartoonist. I am. Uh, thank you. You're a fantastically skilled cartoonist. And uh, I just I figured because, you know, Stromy's on a first name basis with Shocker. I was going to use... Uh, first names here but you know it's good because it makes wolverine look like the kind of crazy caveman midget that he is and uh does a great job of some of the other stuff just a cool little issue a nice little different feel for wolverine's solo adventures as opposed to when he's with the x-men or the avengers or any of the other many many groups he's a part of uh i will say that i i think oh my god what was that it was a nightmare I don't know. There was a big huss. Anyway, I will say that I believe, I I think that that issue was the tightest, best Ryan Stegman art we may have ever seen. And I've really liked this stuff, especially on Spider-Man. But I thought, wow, he was on another level in this issue. Yes. 
So I agree. Yeah, great team behind them. Um, looking fantastic. All right, last book of the week is X Men number ten point now. It's the first part of the Ghosts storyline by Brian Wood, Chris Anka, and Clay Mann. And uh, there's a character who's brought into this named Gabriel Shepard. I've never heard about this character or seen this character before. And I'm sure you have been, but I loved this guy. I want to know more about him. I think, and I actually have been meaning to check up on this, I think Brian Wood introduced him in one of his final arcs of that previous X-Men book, the previously objectiveless uh, X-Men. Interesting. When he was dealing with David Lopez. I got to look back on it, but I'm pretty sure that Gabriel Shepard made his first appearance there. Hmm. Yes, I, I, am, I am looking it up right now. Gabriel Shepard was the... Um, I forget what the term was, but remember that arc like dealt with sort of like, right? yeah, those proto mutants, I guess they're yeah. called. Um, and he was the, the proto mutant that they met in those final two issues. Wow. Very yes. cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, they, and they showed in that issue kind of the handoff to, all right, he's going to go work with Sabra for a little while. So yeah, it's, it's a Brian Wood creation of recent vintage. Nice. Um, while that's all going on, uh, he's helping Monet out with some stuff. So it's the fallout of the previous storyline, and you've got the X-Men crew gathering their forces, gathering themselves together, figuring out what do they need to do to beat Archaea and her sisterhood. And Archaea, on the other side of the planet, is she's powered up um, Enchantress and Typhoid Mary and Lady Deathstrike. Um, and it, it's great because this all started with this new Lady Deathstrike trying to put this team together. And now it's pretty much out of her hands. She's she's taken a back seat to Archaea, who is super bad news. There's um, a bunch of really interesting things that she's starting to set into motion with dead characters and uh, some old technology. Uh, lots of fun stuff going on in this issue. Yeah, it felt for the X-Men because it took so much effort in the first arc to uh, defeat Archaea. And then they had a couple issues for Battle of the Atom and then right back to it. Like, oh, she wasn't put down. Very cool. All right, so yeah, that wraps up. X-Men. Yeah, our, uh, our new issues for this week. Ben, um, what's your pick? Uh, the new books were really strong, which is great to see. Uh, you know, we have some of the, the kind of familiar hits delivering, like Superior Foes is always good. Superior Carnage was a nice surprise. But for me, it came down to um, Loki and Miss Marvel, both really good in their own different ways. Punisher as well. Um, all three of those books were excellent. If I'm pressed on it, uh, I'm actually going to go with Loki. I think Loki was really, really fun and just a, a really well done book. And I was really excited for it, but I don't think you can go wrong with any of those uh, new launches in particular. I agree with you. Um, totally. I think I would slightly choose Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Um, I but, could go either way. It's a coin flip. Yeah. They're both spectacular. Absolutely. So moving on to the collections we've got on sale this week, because we don't just publish single issues. Uh, we've got Captain America, Living Legend, out in trade paperback. Castle, Richard Castle's Storm Season, Castle, trade paperback. There's only actually only two castles I made up the last one. Um, Deadpool by Posehn and Duggan, Volume 1, hardcover. Check this out, Infinity in hardcover. Remember that? Just Woo-hoo. finished. Already out. You guys can read the whole thing. Speaking and of this, Infinity... And- and this this collects like the whole thing too. 
It's delicious. It does, Mark. Yes, it does collect the whole thing. Usually, well, no, like all like things, they collect the whole thing. Well, no, it's like all twenty issues, is what I'm saying. It's like it's a big fat thing. It's, it's delicious. Point. It's a good point. It is the yeah, it has the Avengers and New Avengers tie-in issues as well. Very astute, Marcus. Um, but that's not the whole Infinity story. You can also get the rest in Infinity Heist slash The Hunt, which finally answers the question of whether there was a V in each of those series that I went back and forth on for months. Uh, heist, no V. Hunt, V. Savage Wolverine, Volume 2, Hands on a Dead Body, hardcover. And get this. I didn't know this was coming. X-Men Phalanx Covenant, back again, out in yeah. hardcover. Very yeah. cool. And this is also nice and big and fat. It's got, like, all the Uncanny X-Men issues laying up to it, all the Excalibur stuff, and the whole crossover. I don't like how you describe collections. <laughs> Just fat and juicy and delicious. What are you doing with these books? You roast them and you eat them. And then, like, you know, it's that's how, inf- that's how you get information and read things, right? California, man. Whatever. All right. Uh, let's get back on track. Uh, digital comics released on the app this week include all the books we talked about, as well as Deadpool, The Gauntlet, Infinite Comic Number 5. We're almost to the halfway point uh, of this one. Things are getting up. Yep. Uh, we've also got on sale on the app this week Captain America, issues 45 through 50 from the 1998 volume, Captain America Annual 2001, number 1. Mort the Dead Teenager, numbers what? one through four, which is awesome. Wait, uh, is that real? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would assume it's on our list. Oh, it was absolutely real. I remember that was like, <laughs> there. I, I remember reading an ad for it in uh, Beavis and Butthead, number one. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, this must be a fake ad because it's a Beavis and Butthead comic. No, it's a real book. I, I'm not sure if it's set in the Marvel Universe or not. But it's basically just this, this kid who dies and comes back to life. It's an interesting book. <laughs> it's, just, it's just disturbing. Yeah, I'm. Um, we, Mark, Ben, myself, we all have basically full access to anything that comes out on the Marvel app. So you guys, we should all read it and uh, report back because it's. I'm 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 literally doing a search for it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go with the creative team because I feel like that might be one of those like. Oh, I can't believe he did that, creative teams, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, We've also got this week on the app Uncanny X-Men, issues 122 through 124, 144 through 161, and 163 through 166 of the original Uncanny X-Men run. So lots of uh, gaps being filled for you guys who use the Marvel app. Uh, as well as X-Factor, issues 220 through 227 and 224.1. Collections on the Marvel app this week, we've got Ares, God of War. Excellent book. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, one of my favorites from that era. Deadpool, Mark with a Mouth. Head Trip, speaking of disembodied heads. Uh, Infinity is on the app as well. So if you want to read it digitally, you can. And Humans by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee, another classic. Speaking of classic, Shield by Steranko, the complete collection. Look, crap. Savage Wolverine Volume 2, Hands on a Dead Body, Star-Lord, Annihilation Conquest, collecting that great Keith Giffen, Timothy Green II. I think that's also out in print this week um, as a reprint. Um, Spider-Woman Origin and Thanos Infinity Abyss. Yeah, um, lots of good stuff. Freshly digitized in Marvel Unlimited this week. We've got all-new X-Men number 15, Avengers number 17, Avengers AI number 2, Cable and X-Force number 12, 
Daredevil, Dark Knights, number three. Deadpool kills Deadpool, number two. Hunger, number two. Iron Man, number 14. Journey into Mystery, number 655. Marvel Universe Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, number 17. Rocket Raccoon, Tales from Half-World, number 1. Superior Carnage, number 2. Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number 2. Superior Spider-Man, number 15. X-Factor, number 260. And Young Avengers, number 1. All those from their most recent series. So pretty cool, guys. Yeah, and there was actually, that was a typo, and that was my fault. It's Young Avengers number 9 from the current series. Number 1. I just fixed that up in our Pulse newsletter, which you can subscribe to, I think. Sure. I don't know how, how, but presumably there's a way. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's Young Avengers number 9. Yeah. You know what? It's weird. I'm looking in the Marvel app, and we don't, I don't, I have to buy them, the More the Dead Teenager issues, Hmm. but it's written by Larry Hama, art by Gary Halgreen. All right, Larry Hama, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mark? I was going to say, I don't have to buy them, but then I realized I do. (laughs) Why would you not have to buy them? I don't, I well, we should have access. I'll, I'm going to find out about that because I want right. to read those. No, I'm yeah, curious I want, I want, why Mark had, like, gold access, apparently, for a second. Yes. No. <sighs> <laughs> All right, time to kick it over to Stromy. Stromy, yeah. what do we got for uh, movie, TV, video games, anything like that new this week? Uh, we got a new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash this Sunday uh, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD. And this one has not only the Impossible Man, but Fin Fang Fum in it. So I just realized those guys are both green, actually works in very nicely with the hulks um but yeah we've got impossible man coming back or rather coming back to marvel universe if you remember maybe two months ago he is in an episode of marvel's avengers assemble he is voiced by tom kenny who does of course a bunch of other work with us he did tom voices in uh superhero squad show including modok and iron man if i recall and he also does like spongebob he plays the ice king on Adventure Time, he does a great Impossible Man, and I haven't seen Fin Fang Foom yet animated in this series, but I am greatly looking forward to that, because who doesn't enjoy watching four hulks punch a giant dragon? And really, I just wanted to say dragon there. And I just wanted you to say it, so thank you. Uh... (laughs) That uh, it pretty much covers everything in TV, though. Um, I don't know, Ryan. We don't, do we have much going on in games? New out this week? Um, didn't we just release something? The game that just went live very recently. Yeah, wasn't that like a week or two ago, though? I don't know. I can't remember. What, yeah, no, it was last Friday after we would have recorded this podcast. Oh, maybe. It's, it's called Marvel Run Jump Smash. Oh my, was that last week we've released that? Yes, Stromy. All right, this my is, brain. This is why some of us do uh, prep for this show, Stromy. So we'll some, do a little production work beforehand. Some of, some of us were trying to get on the podcast. Um, 
Yeah, no, we've got Marvel Run Jump Smash 2 that is now available on iOS and Android devices. And that is an endless runner where you can play as Iron Man, you can play as McFury, Maria Hill, uh, Hulk, and Black Widow so far, and Captain America, I believe. But we'll have some awesome new characters like Captain Marvel and Hawkeye joining, as well as even more that I can't talk about yet. Um, it's actually a ton of fun. I, I've been playing this game for a little while because the games guys have been developing it for at least six or eight months now. I've been seeing builds of it. And it's come a long way since the beginning. And, yeah, I don't know. I am a little addicted to it it just keeps on going which i guess is the point of endless runners but i'm along for the ride and the art style is terrific it is there are these like little uh, i don't know like chibi like characters i guess is that accurate kawaii or chibi chibi whatever yeah yeah it's very very adorable all right, yes. Uh, time for news. Ben, you've got some stuff. Yeah, we do. We did a little bit of editorial shuffleboard this week, uh, arranging the deck chairs. Um, Steve Wacker left Marvel Publishing to go out and hang out with Stromy. Have you been hanging out with Steve, Stromy? I actually I actually did see him uh, last week, last did Friday. He, did he acknowledge you? He did. He did. He even said, hello, Stromy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So... Steve Wacker, former uh, editor of the Spider-Man books now, is out on the West Coast working on Marvel Animation. So as we bid Steve adieu, we need to fill that seat. So to do so, we moved X-Men editor Nick Lowe from the X-Men over to the Spider-Man office, which left Nick's chair empty. And we decided to put in Nick's chair the person who was in Nick's chair before Nick was in Nick's chair. And that is Mike Martz, who we are welcoming back to Marvel had a really impressive stint at Marvel back before I worked there. Ryan, did you overlap with Mike at all? I, I was trying to think about that uh, this morning when I went over to say hi to Mike, and mm. I don't think so. I mean, I knew him beforehand yeah. because, you know, working at Wizard, I, I had worked with him on some stuff, but I don't believe he we, he and I uh, crossed paths here officially. He must, I think he must no, have I left think, just before you came in. Yeah, I think he left in 2006. Yeah. Well, I started in 2006. Yeah, that's strongly. that's why. That's why I was. I knew he left in oh. 06, and I know you started in 06, so it must have been literally months. I missed him by a year, but Mike is back. Uh, he was the guy who edited Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men and so many other great things back in the early 2000s. Uh, has le- he left comics for a few years? I think. Um, I don't know what he was up to. Probably, you know, working in his family business or something. But he's decided to come back. And he is picking up right where he left off and then some. He's going to be heading up the X-Men books, and he's a new uh, senior editor at Marvel. Very excited to have Nick in his new role. Very excited to have Mike back. And uh, Stromy's very excited to have Steve. So it worked out for everybody. Uh, ben, I, I believe Martz was working with bats. He was helping, like, okay. um, farm bats or An do, extermination do business, perhaps? Maybe, maybe it was exterminating bats. Right. I don't know. But he Because no one wants bats. No. So bats he's are trying to get rid of them. So passe. So passe. Anyways, we uh, congratulations to all those guys. You guys can, of course, wish them well on Twitter and on other social media. Um, or just, you know, call Stromy. And his home number, which is eight six seven five three zero nine, and uh, <laughs> yeah, 
That got a much bigger pop than I expected. I know. I was I was expecting <laughs> crickets. I guess he's never heard me do that before because I've definitely done that more than once. Um, moving on, more comics news. Uh, in keeping with our theme this week, we've got a big Loki Agent of Asgard Q&A up that we posted yesterday with both Al Ewing and Lee Garbay where they talked about working on the series. Uh, they talked a little lot about the different sides of Loki, the villain, the hero, the trickster, the different things that go into making the character. And we showed off a lot of uh, upcoming art from issues two and three from Lee. Let's go check that out. Last week, to go with our top villains of 2013, we unveiled our top heroes of 2013. Uh, the top entry was a bit, I think a bit of a surprise. Definitely not one of the frontline characters but i really like this list i liked uh got some unexpected names near the top and the entry for the number one guy or girl written by paul montgomery brought a tear to my eye it was so well written and well argued so please do go check that out and another thing you guys have been noticing hopefully is we're doing a lot more short form content a lot of kind of quick fun stuff for you to take a look at focusing on the history of marvel or different facets uh, the guy behind that is brett white he's been doing some great work for us every day he's got something new some really fun features i know uh this week we had our second installment of 90s by the numbers so we've done it twice now where brett will take a comic from the 90s and just put number related facts he did an issue of captain america last week where he went right down to like issue like numbers of rocket skis this week it was the punisher classic punisher war zone issue where he counted all the bullets but then he also counted uh stuff frank used for costumes all sorts of stuff and uh, a lot of stuff along those lines he did a uh, back he does back to work every monday he talked about captain america's career as an illustrator captain marvel's career as a magazine editor lots of different stuff like that and i think he is doing stuff for uh for mark now as well yeah yeah he's got some uh some shield stuff that'll be going up today actually, as we record this. So you guys are going to see a lot of new stuff on Marvel.com from every department. Uh, all the classic stuff you love, but a lot more of that fun, quick content, and a lot more as we begin our celebration of Marvel's 75th anniversary, which I'm sure we'll be talking about in the next few weeks. Yes, indeed. Uh, we also, obviously, the biggest, I think, th probably the biggest thing going was the Captain America The Winter Soldier trailer that uh, we were successfully able to surprise everyone with. We let people know we would have a spot during the big game on Sunday, um, and everybody expected us to do our normal thing of, hey, 30 seconds on TV, 60 seconds on the Internet. But no, 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 no. We gave you guys a full trailer, and some 8 million people have watched it online so far uh, just on our one single player. So that's pretty cool. You guys seem to be really digging it, and... Um, Lots, lots, lots more Captain America stuff coming. We also, um, this week, marked the end of the latest PvP round for Avengers Alliance. Uh, I got Vibranium, barely, somehow, uh, which was fun for me. Uh, I also nagged uh, Sunfire last yep, night. I got it. I got him in the wee hours of this morning. I got up, <laughs> woke up at 5 this morning because I wanted to see what was going on with the snow. And then I couldn't get back to sleep. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to play. I know that today's the last day for Sunfire. So I'm just going to play Avengers Alliance until I can get a better idea of what's going on with the trains and stuff like that. So I got Sunfire at like 6.45 this morning. <laughs> so I've already played with him a bunch. 
Awesome. Um, yeah. What else? We I think that covered. Oh, and I, I don't know, Strami, did you mention that Thor: The Dark World is out on home video or digital HD this week? Ah, uh, no. For some reason, I was saving that for this portion of the podcast, but it should have been the last portion. Yes, Thor is out on digital HD and digital 3D on iTunes and Amazon this week. Yesterday, in fact. I believe it's also out on places like Voodoo. I think that's what it's called. I we were in a meeting yesterday, and Cirilli showed me an email he got from them, which was great. It had Thor, The Dark World, but a whole bunch of our other films as well. It was a, it's a nice little bit of marketing fun from them. That's, fant- that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and you can, with with this, you also get all the bonus features, all the deleted scenes, bloopers, the new Marvel one-shot, All Hail the King, which is well worth the price of admission just on its own. Um, yeah, and of course, if you are someone who likes the more physical Blu-ray or DVD, you can get that in three weeks on February 25th. Very cool. What else you got, Mark? Well, so I got, we got, well, you mentioned the Captain America trailer, but we also had just like a flood of awesome new Cap stuff. We had three new character posters featuring Cap, Black Widow, and Nick Fury. We had a new poster that featured the whole cast. We had at least a dozen new images that we've released in the last few days. We have been rolling out an interview we did with Chris Evans on the set of the film back when it was filming last summer. Um, We've so far put up two parts of that, and there will be a third part that will be going up uh, shortly after I get off this podcast, actually. Um, It's very cool. It's actually... I really, I really like these pieces because you get to hear Chris Evans talking about sort of the themes of the movie and, and the tone of it. You, We've heard Chris Evans and the Rousseaus and lots of other people talk about how this movie really is much more of a political thriller. And it's just interesting to hear how they're sort of fusing that genre with the superhero genre and the types of films that we make here at Marvel. Uh, And you also get to learn more about Anthony Mackie's role as the Falcon and Scarlett Johansson's role as the Black Widow in the new movie and just what their relationships with Cap bring out in the character. Um, And you get to hear more about the fighting style, which I can attest having seen the movie now the fight sequences in this thing are incredible and unlike anything you've seen in a marvel movie to date um they're just very very unique and yeah i don't know i don't know i don't want to say much more than that but yeah we've got all that captain america stuff of course with thor Like we said, it's available on Digital HD and Digital 3D now. We've been showing you some more clips from behind-the-scenes featurettes, showing you some bloopers, showing you some deleted scenes. I know we've still got a few more coming up probably in the next week or so, so you can look for those as well. And also, finally, I believe my last bit of news is that... 
of course, we had an all-new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last night, which I hope you all saw because it is a, I think, and I feel, a very important episode for where they are going. And also, I just really like the episode in of itself. You watched it too, Ryan, right? Yeah, it, was, uh, it may have been my favorite of the series so far. It was really good. And I, even though I knew everything that was going to happen, I still, it still got me and I was on the edge of my seat, which was terrific. We want people I, to be excited. I, I also watched it. Oh, hey. I did not know it was going to happen, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I did, not get, I did not get back home in time to watch it live last night, but I did DVR it and watched it. This morning, right after I got done playing Marvel Avengers Alliance. It was a very Marvel-heavy, productive morning for me. But yeah, great, great episode. Yeah, what I loved about it was was just how different the structure of it was than uh, what we've seen before. It was sort of told slightly achronologically, and I don't know. It just uh, it kept me guessing. I remember uh, even as I was reading the script to it a few weeks back, um, I was never quite sure what was going on or anything, but in a good way, in a I can't wait to find out what is going on way. Um, but we have also released uh, the logline for the next new episode, which features the debut of Bill Paxton as Agent John Garrett, which I am crazy excited for, and of course features Garrett helping Colson and his team find a way to save the life of a character whose life may be hanging on by a thread, which is the non-spoiler way of describing last night's cliffhanger. Um, And this involves chasing tornadoes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I got that reference. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, no chasing tornadoes, sadly. But yet... Yet, um, sure. But yes, uh, and also, in case you didn't see them earlier, you can also check out some interviews I got to do a couple weeks back with Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett about the show. We talked a little bit about what was coming up in last night's episode, but we also sort of touched on where things will be going in the next few episodes. So check those out on Marvel.com as well as on our YouTube channel. Very cool. Thank you, Strami. Um, All right, time for This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Uh, We are talking about Loki by Rob Rohde and Isad Rabik, which has sort of now been retitled as Thor and Loki Blood Brothers, which um, I think is a pretty cool title. I agree. Yeah, that that, that actually happened. We retitled it back when we released the Marvel Knights animation version of it. And yeah, I I like the title. Which is a note, which also is a nice uh, note from Strami that if you guys enjoyed this, and I think a lot of you did, um, you should seek out the Marvel Knights animation version because this is actually one of my favorite Marvel Knights animation pieces. I yeah. think uh, Rubik's art lends itself really well to the kind of style they use, so this is one that came out really well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is I, I hadn't read it in a while, hadn't seen the the animation um, in a while, so getting into it i was i was really excited um and i forgot how how influential this is on you know really what we see of loki in the films particularly in the dark world like sort of his 
the way he acts and um, interacts with Thor. Um, hey Ryan, could you tell could you tell D Lee to keep it down in the background because I can blatantly hear her laughing. Hey uh, D, I'm on a podcast and we can hear you laughing. Uh, so would you mind please lowering it down a little bit? Oh, well. Does not know? You tried. No. She shook her head too. We got lawyered. Okay. <sighs> um, anyway, so I really dug it. Uh, liking, really enjoyed the way that you know we see Loki interact here. Um, the the broad strokes is he's gotten control of Asgard. What does Loki do once he's in control? How does he deal with Thor and Sif and Odin and the other you know realms, the you know concerns of the throne, the um, the alliances that he made to get to where he is, which great job by Rhodey because all this stuff is set up beforehand, but you never feel lost. You never feel like you're, you're trying to play catch up. It's like, boom, boom, boom. You're right in there. Um, it's super cool. Yeah. I think, uh, a point you made before is really important to touch on that, how influential this book was, uh, to put it in historical context, this, this came out in 2004. Um, and at the time up to this point, Loki had really only ever been, you know, villain Loki, just the bad guy, the guy who they formed the Avengers to stop, the guy who fought Thor a lot. He was a great villain, but I won't call him one-dimensional, but he was very much, you know, he was a bad guy. Um, he hadn't had those kind of shades of gray put on him. And Rhodey here, I think, is one of the first people, I'm sure it had been done to degrees before, you know, he was great in the Simonson run, but he, even in the Simonson run, Loki is very much... The trickster, he, he has his heroic moments, but those are more just because of ego and stuff like that. This is the first time we really get to see Loki as a victim of some degree. Uh, we see that he was not treated greatly all through his life, all through his existence. Uh, the way Thor made him feel, the way Odin made him feel, the way his lineage made him feel, which of course is a big part of the Thor movies. Um, but I think also a big part of the stuff in the comics, you know, the the younger Loki stuff, the stuff Kieran Gillen did, stuff Matt Fraction did, is the idea that Loki didn't ask to be made this villain. He didn't ask for any of this, but it's what he was given, so it's what he works with, which is a point that Rhodey comes back to again and again, like, you know, kind of destiny versus choice. Like, did I have a choice to be the guy who's going to... There's a great line, I think, either in issue two or issue three, where he's basically just talking about, I think it's when he's talking to Odin, basically, did you raise me to make your son a better hero? Like, am I, am I destined to be the villain in his story just so he can come off as a better hero? Um, and that stuff's all great. And I also think, this is the first time I remember seeing Asad Rabik's art. I know he had done stuff, but this is the first time, I think this was like his first big project, Yeah. I believe I, so. I I think he had done stuff before this, but I think this was his first painted work. Okay. Is the thing. Yeah. But it was definitely, you know, this was his breakout. This was where Rob Rody started becoming, or where Asad Rabik started becoming Asad Rabik. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, another major thing about this is the um, the fact that you connect to Loki so much in this and you feel for him um, also mirrors a lot of the success we had doing that in the Thor film, particularly the dark world where he's this terrible villain who's done these things, but 
you're right. He's it's sort of been thrust upon him, and he's yeah. playing this role, and he's dealing with being this person. Um, but he starts to come around, and as soon as he comes around, the story shifts and things change, and it's like it's really this is really spectacular storytelling. Ultimately. You also got to appreciate uh, kind of the fact that you know now we just this week. We have an ongoing Loki series, which we've had pretty much for the last few years. And Loki's so popular off the films and other stuff that that, you don't bat an eyelash. In 2004, the idea of Loki even getting a four-issue limited series was pretty crazy. He was not even that marquee a villain. Um, He was Thor wasn't that marquee a character in 2004. I think this was this was when the Thor book had just ended because remember it ended at the end disassembled and it didn't come back for like two or three years. So. Uh, this was this was a really interesting book for the time it was published in. Yeah, Stromy, what do you think? Anything to add before we get to the comments? No, I mean, I think I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, but you know, even just talking about like the influence it had on the film. You know, when I started here at Marvel full-time, it was back in July of 2010. So, you know, one of the first things I did, the next movie that we had coming out was Thor in May of 2011. So I was doing sort of a lot of research on Thor because I was sort of, that was like the one Marvel character that I just didn't really know that well. Um, So when I was doing that and I was talking to the guys over in development, you know, this miniseries was one that they sort of, you know, threw at me as like, you know, you should really like read this and, and get to know it to really understand like our take on, on Loki, you know, and among other things like the Walt Simonson stuff, uh, obviously the old Lee and Kirby stuff, the J. Michael Straczynski stuff. But this, you know, was something that I then referenced a ton just in terms of the promotion that we're doing around the film and like the essential Thor series of articles that we did about the characters' histories and everything. This sort of for me became like a big uh, touchstone in terms of just the promotion we did for it, for the movie on the site. So yeah, I, I got to know this story that way because I hadn't actually read it before. And when I finally saw Thor. I understood, like, sort of the overlap that existed between the two, and and just how that story helped shape Tom Hiddleston's Loki up on the screen, amongst other things. Definitely. All right, we're going to dive right into the uh, questions and comments. Uh, first up is DJ Fanko, who says, "I love the way Robert Rohde wrote Loki's interactions with everyone." Yeah, it's um. He has a very particular way of speaking with each of the characters. Uh, yeah, and this is also, you know, what we didn't really mention, but we did to some degree, is that it's a nice tour of the different uh, Thor characters. Like you get to see pretty much everybody, and not just you know Thor and Sif and Odin, but you also get to see Carnilla is a key character from Simonson's run. Uh, you get to see a lot of the various villains. You get to see a great. There's a great scene with Hela. Um, you get a lot of different characters. And yeah, like you said, Loki's different with each of them. Um, Don also says, Loki's story is a testament to the need to reconcile while you live. After you're dead, there is no making amends. That's a, that's hmm. a nice little statement there from Don. I like that. 
He also says, I love how the four covers perfectly illustrates the reversing dynamic between Thor and Loki over the course of the series. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, 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 I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, that's, uh, that that's a great really observation. Neat. And uh, finally, he uh, says, and really, who knew Balder was so deep? And he has a screenshot of uh, an interaction between Loki and Balder. And Balder is a character we don't see enough of these days. I mean, oh, yeah, I no, he's dead, well, never, right? He's dead. So that's the only thing. That's I mean, always whatever. interesting. No, it's interesting because you're right. Balder, we don't see enough of him, and it's he's. I think he's the the one guy you think of. Maybe Hela, but also definitely Balder as being. He's not in the Thor movies yet, so it's definitely kind of a standout. Like, oh yeah, Balder. It's a really interesting character. He's basically. I always think of him as if Thor didn't exist, he would be Thor, but he's not bitter about it. You know, yeah. like he would be the hero of Asgard if Thor wasn't around. But rather than be Thor's enemy, he's just like, all right, that's cool. I'd, like, I'm happy just backing Thor up. Because he's not like a Warriors 3 guy. He's not like, you know, one of Thor's kind of sidekicks. He is his, he goes off and has adventures on his own, but he's not, he's not, he's not the main event. He's like, uh, like he'll always, like, like Thor's Hulk Hogan. And he's one of those like guys who would always get only so far. Like like Jake Roberts when he was a face or something, but nice. Paul, there's nothing like Jake Roberts. No, so. they're pretty much the same. I like that. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Kyle Charles, Johnny Timpels. About to start Loki for this week's Tumiarsi Home. I remember the art being awesome and Loki being a jerk bag. Interesting because I always thought he comes off kind of as not a jerk bag in this uh, in this book. I mean, ultimately he does, but there are parts. Loki is like a dog chasing a car. Now he rules Asgard. He doesn't know what to do. Poor dude. Yeah, that's a pretty good summation, actually. Yeah. That's really good. Poor Loki. Uh, yeah. Robert, RCS underscore T, says, Just finished Loki. I love the art and colors. Visual impact was amazing. Found myself staring at the pages before reading it. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a solid. Uh, yep. We've been so lucky to have him do such amazing work for us, so it's great. Robert also says, found the story a little disturbing and I was often lost. I have not read Loki before, so have to read the before stories for context. You know, Robert, I, like I said before, I don't know that you need much context. It's, you know, he's, he's sort of the, the villain in so much of our stories um, preceding this that all you really need to know is, is, is really right there. Um, maybe give it another read. See, see if you have a little bit more um, context once you've digested it once. Uh, he also says, I did get the underlying message. Getting what you want is not always what you really want. I love comics with a message. <laughs> yes. For sure. Stephen Barr, Asbiv, read Loki number one for Twim URC. Rhodey's story is very well told and Rabik's art style is unique. Enjoying this one so far. Then notes Loki issue two continues a great story. Art is really cool as well. Sif and Baldur's taunts of Loki are excellent. And then nothing more. So I guess he's still on number two. Yeah, well, that's okay. Uh, yeah, finish it up. <laughs> final one is from the Tech Lord. Says is, He snuck this in by using the hashtags. He didn't want us to wait two weeks to uh, talk about it. I love it. And he says, uh, avatars sound like it should be a future Twim URC. Last yeah. week. Strami, oh, all right. So I guess it is a Twim URC. Yeah. Strami, did you know uh, about this book, The Avatars? Spelled weird. Is that is that the series where um, the Avengers were basically like knights, but yes. in space or some? Yeah, it was like early two thousands. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I vaguely recall it. Yes. Who wrote it again, Ryan? We found it was really it was like someone random. Oh, uh, I don't remember. Is it Larry Hammer again? It's not Larry Hammer. No, it's Did not Larry Hammer. Did you write Mortal Dead Teenager and Avatars? What no. a career! That alone. Yeah. No. Um, now we we had a smaller number than I expected of comments about this one. So if you got if yours were lost, let us know. But um, if not, then you know read up and let us know with the regular this week in Marvel hashtag. So we'll we'll talk about it next week. Uh, and the avatars was written by Len Kaminsky. That's right, Len Kaminsky. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. You know what? I didn't pick one. Did you? Uh oh. Well, I, I have one in my head, and I've been trying to figure out if we should use it yet. So I guess we well, will. It's your week, so yeah. it's dead your, your choice, unless you, unless you want to let Stromy do it. Stromy, do you have a suggestion? Mort, the dead teenager. <laughs> All right, so you, so what's yours? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Mort fits into our uh, on Marvel Unlimited right. uh, structure. Not yet. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the first six issues of Ultimates Volume 1. Oh, good call. Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I've been going back and forth in my head whether we should do the entire first volume of Ultimates because it really is one large story. But right. I don't know. Sometimes that gets to be a little daunting for some. No, so, I remember. Yeah, because like we did Avengers Forever way back when, and that was that's a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, but no, this is nice. We'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do the first part now. We'll do the second part down the line. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, and it, it's a great book, especially if you're you know if you like the films. It's. Um, it's definitely had some influence on those. It'll be some fun stuff to talk about as well. Well, I know what's fun, and I don't think many people realize, is that Joss Whedon actually wrote the introduction to the first collected edition of The Ultimates. That's right. Nice. So it is fun. Your little factoid for the day. All right, I'm <laughs> muting again. <laughs> Uh, well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in Marvel. Thank you, Stromy, for joining us live. Thank yeah, you. that was nice. Yeah. Uh, well, we should thank try you to, guys for having me. We should try to do this more often. Um, although... Uh, yeah, until we get complaints about the, the Skype audio. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but thank you, Ben, for dealing with uh, getting on here while you're at home. No, very cool. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hooking up the technology, everyone. Stromy, you were going to say? I was going to say, we say... Every time we do this once a year, that we should do it more often. Yeah, we should do it more often. We should do it more often. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. All right. Thanks for listening. This is Marvel, your universe.